stop trying to be to be great immediately. If you get 1% better every day, at the end of the year, that's 38 times, that's 3,800% better than you were. That's way closer, but 1% better is easy. What's up guys, welcome back to Convincing Creatives. Hope you guys have been doing well. Uh, we've got another guest on the show today, Rain Bennett. Welcome, welcome, Thank welcome. You. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank we are, we're here uh, working in Rain's office setting, and we are talking about a whole bunch of things. We just did an episode of his podcast. Uh, we'll talk about that. Uh, Rain is a filmmaker. I'll kind of let him dive into his bio because I'm sure he knows it best. Um, but Rain, what do, what do you do these days? No, I want to hear what you think. Oh, you want to hear my version of the bio? <laughs> Rain's, yeah. um, uh, Rain is an accomplished <laughs> That's perfect. I like that one. Uh, what do I do these days? Yeah, man. Um, mostly documentaries. Um, but lately I've been focusing on, I've taken what I've learned from the documentary, yeah. indie documentary filmmaking world, which is lessons learned the hard way sure. <laughs> and trying to help out, um, small to medium sized nonprofits and purpose driven companies as, as I call them, learn how to use those things in their video marketing strategy, uh, the easy way. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to take the lessons I learned and, and, and teach them that I yeah. produce films for them, but I also do workshops and things like that to, to teach people the, uh, the art and science of storytelling. Yeah. So when they don't know what cameras to use or they don't have a lot of money, our, you know, philosophy is if you work on sharpening the blade of the skill mm -hmm. of storytelling, all those other decisions aren't as important. You don't need the nicest camera if you know how to tell a strong story. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that, you know, the democratization of filmmaking and just really resources and media and culture, has, has, as technology has progressed, it's really allowed people to do that. To that point, yeah. and back to um, the storytelling co um, component that we focus on so much, so yes, mm -hmm. uh, everything is available to people for much cheaper, much easier. There's less fewer barriers to entry. Right. Um, however, what I see that happens and why I'm doubling down on the storytelling component is like everybody has a camera now, so everybody thinks they can tell or make great videos or great films or whatever. But can they? Which is not true. <laughs> yeah. So you got to get back to the basics, mm -hmm. you know, and the, the, the foundation of any of that is narrative, is yeah. the story that you're trying to tell. So you don't have to tell a beautiful, a pretty story visually if it's a strong story. Yeah. But if you have dope visuals, and we talked about music videos before, like, you can mm -hmm. probably get away with it in a format like that. Depends on you know what your goal is, who yeah. your audience is. But if you're trying to like connect with people in that kind of way, the story has to be there first. And I find that oftentimes people are so worried about the gadgets and gadgets and what will make their video look dope that they haven't done the legwork to like what will make the the story be dope. Mm. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense, no, so and trying to help people. The I like the the gadgets and gadgets. I yeah, like I mean oh, people. Yeah, there's always we yeah. were talking about GoPro. There's yeah. always a new thing. There's always a new yeah. Ronin, a new whatever yeah. that like sell what you the, got, buy the new that, one. That, yeah. yeah, and that yeah. makes it super easy to do, and it does. But it's like if you don't work on that craft, it doesn't matter mm. all the bells and whistles you can that you can accumulate. You yeah. know, you got to have that first. And well, I'm sure we'll talk about this today. But Absolutely. like my experience has been, this is my whole like life work mantra right now yeah. is like the things that I thought were flaws in my creative and career. I've figured out a way to flip that into like, well, no, this is actually what I do, you know? Mm. So I thought, um, you know, well, I'm not the best cinematographer or anything like that, but I thought that my lack of 
uh, you know, um, bells and whistles and nice things. You know, I shot rays up with like one camera, one little lens and, you know, yeah. next to nothing. Right. Definitely want to talk about that. I thought, I thought that that was like, I would compare myself to, uh, to other mm. people and thought that was like, I would never be as good because I didn't have all that, you know, like I didn't have any monitor on my DSLR. Sure. I didn't have yeah. all these things. I see friends of mine that are dope cinematographers have. And so I saw myself as less than because of that. Now I realize that it's a skill to yeah. know how to tell good, impactful stories without all that. Right. You can shoot something with an iPhone, and if your story's awesome, right. I'd rather watch that than something with a red that just sucks. I mean, you know, if it's phoned in, if the performances aren't there, if the director's just cashing a check, you can tell. Yeah. Well, it bleeds it, through. I and mean, like you said uh, on my podcast, The Storytelling Lab. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, Go watch it. You know, people nowadays, you got to yeah. adapt and adjust, and people nowadays would rather like you, you were talking about the live Q and a on Instagram, they'd yeah. rather have that often with someone they look up to or admire or follow than some hyper polished piece. You right. know what I mean? Because they want that connection. That's, yeah. I feel like people are yearning 100%. for that right now. And 100%. so, so you don't need, this is what I teach people. is like, you don't need all that. And this crazy video you need to connect with them. And you can do that with your phone and with your, your heart. And mm -hmm. that's all you really need. Well, and people take this like nihilistic approach now where they're like, there's so much media nobody cares they just want to scroll their phone in peace and no one actually watches anything no no, no. people will watch things like they just have to watch things that they care about people want to care mm -hmm. you got to give them a reason to care 100 percent. that's that's a great clip right everybody there. wants I mean, to care we're all we're all still humans yeah this has not changed anything yeah not here this has changed a lot and i got all those friends who are like you know, it's changed everything, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah. Like, not really. The yeah. core of humanity is still there, and people still yearn for the same things. It's kind of like when you got that bad kid that, you know, that is just doesn't do well, you know, and just acting out all the time. That kid or that puppy or whatever, they want discipline. Sure. They yeah. crave that structure. It's the parents that don't give it to them. Then the kids run wild. It's similar. Like, so, yes, we want to be distracted by all these things yeah. that seemingly are taking us away from authenticity and wholeheartedness mm -hmm. but like every person in this in, in this world wants to connect with somebody and feel seen mm -hmm. and feel heard and feel connected yeah. to another human, human that nature. is not gone yeah that is not gone this just amplifies that i mean it, it really does if you look at it as a tool it's a megaphone yeah, yeah. exactly and you just got to use it the right way mm -hmm. sure it can be a distraction but you can use all this for the good too that goes back to the point so stop learning how to use this and learn how to use this. Yeah. Then you can use anything around you to connect with you. I don't need this phone to connect with you, but I can use this phone and I can connect with people, you know, other places. Or I can just it's but it's about this tool. Yeah. You know? I think it makes it as easy or as difficult as you make it. I mean it's like really anything. up to you. Like anything. Yeah. You know? Um, well, speaking of that being difficult or easy, uh, I know it's not easy to make a film. You made a f feature do documentary. Know. How do you know that? Somehow like, I just know. It just, <laughs> it just it you know, apparated into yeah, my brain. Um, somehow I know, but, you know, I'd like to hear it from you because you've made okay, one sure. with, uh, you know, all around the world with clips and footage you shot and everything. And mm -hmm. like it was, it was a really a global endeavor. Uh, it's called Raise Up. And if you want to tell people a little bit about that. Yeah. So this... This is one of the, <laughs> there's a lot I can say about sure. it, you know, and I've learned a lot afterwards. Tell us all the crazy stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll try to, to sum it up quickly. It's a documentary no. I made. Uh, well, I want to talk about it, yeah, but, but, but what it is, is, uh, is a documentary about this 
underground urban fitness culture that it was emerging out of the parks of New York mm -hmm. and other metropolitan areas, but it started in like Harlem and pla places like Brooklyn and a lot of low economic areas. And it was based off of the principle, the subtitle is raise up the world is our gym. So it was built off of the premise that you don't need expensive gym memberships to like be in shape. Right. And so really all it is, is like a freestyle version of calisthenics, which calisthenics is body weight exercises, push-ups, pull-ups, dips, those sorts of things. Now, when people master the basics, and this applies to filmmaking mm. or anything else, then you can get creative with how mm. you do with how you do things. Think about what's a sport. Did you play sports growing up? Yeah. What sports you play? Uh, tennis. Okay, tennis. Great. Yeah. So you have the fundamentals you have to learn. Yeah. Then you can start to have your style. Are you going to be aggressive? Or are yeah. you going to be someone who sits back and plays defense and is ice cold and just returns, returns, returns until mm -hmm. the other person messes up? So in this culture of pull-ups and push-ups, when they mastered those basics and could control their bodies, they started putting style to it. Now, these were kids that were coming out of hip-hop culture, so it really started having mm. style and they started expressing themselves. Right. The what they were doing was incredible. It was dope. It was it was like dancing on the bars. Yeah. It was just it was rhythmic. It was beautiful. Now it becomes a outlet for these kids to express themselves. Right. Just like graffiti art. Just like just like uh, emceeing. Just like anything. Right. right. And so they styles develop. A community developed, and it became a social tool. It was getting kids off the streets, out of gangs, off of drugs, and it became this beautiful thing that was also visually like crazy now i have always been an athlete and always been an artist and this is why i say like we can talk about these themes like all day and i have a lot of parallels too. i've struggled with those my mm. whole life because my jock friends i didn't want them to know that i was this sensitive like artist type mm. and my nerdy like mm. uh, uh artsy friends i yeah. didn't you know i didn't want them to think i was a meathead yeah i was a little bit of both and i was neither and i felt like those worlds didn't mesh very well right. this is my own ego telling me this and I kept them compartmentalized for a long time. But back to the heart, there's no way I would have pursued that because there wouldn't have been a story if I didn't see what it was doing to the communities. The, mm. the, 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 the piece that sold me was the social component because I was seeing change. It was all about right. change and transformation. These kids, almost now it hits everybody, but so many people that got started in this, this subculture were in jail or on a bad path, they were criminals, they were on drugs, whatever. I mean, all of them. Mm. I'm sure that tennis has, has like saved somebody's lives or basketball. Mm. But the, nothing like this, the percentage sure. I saw of kids whose lives are transformed to this. So I was like, there's something deeper here. I want to make a movie about it. It sounds like that accessibility. Because oh, I mean, sure, there's no sure. barrier for, sure. for entry. Because I think that's totally. what, whether it's filmmaking or sports or anything, the hardest part is getting started because yep, yep, if yep. I haven't made a film, oh, I got to go spend 500 bucks on mm -hmm. a camera. If I, if I uh, want to start playing, you know, football or something, oh, I need to spend $500 to get gear, yep. you know, shoes, whatever. There's always that entry. And I think when you remove that barrier, you just allow so much more to happen. Now, yeah. I'll paint a picture for you in this picture that you're walking around New York and you see a park and you see a film set going on. Almost all of us stop when we see that, yeah. you know, lights, cameras and stuff. Now imagine if the uh, DP or even just like the grip or gaffer or anybody just like sees you over there watching, they turn and be like, Hey man, come over here. You want to learn this? That's like, huge. Come, come check this out. Like come, come, you know, not this is a closed set, go the other block, but like, come over here. Let me show you how we do this. Are you interested? And you're like, uh, you're like they're like, come on, come on, come on, come mm. on. Come on, I'll it's very you. welcoming. That's what happens when you, you would see this because you'd see these dudes who were all jacked up and tatted yeah. up and intimidating, and you'd be sitting there watching, 
and, or kids especially yeah. would be sitting there watching and they'd be like, come here. I didn't just learn how to do this today. Let yeah. me show you the steps I took to get there. And that accessibility your was a hundred percent everything. And also you gave it this layer of like social groups blending that normally wouldn't be together. Mm -hmm. So it was cop with convict. It was rich with poor black with white old with, with, uh, I was about to say new with young, <laughs> Younger, yeah. you know, gay with straight, like any yeah. of these like demographics that wouldn't normally be vibing together yeah. would bond over the bar. And That's it was dope. like, yo, this is having a massive effect. We had in the world championships, you know, because I can't became deep in the culture sure. and I'm fast forward in a few years, but we'd have countries that were, were like at arms together, like wow. two of their, um, uh, participants on stage, you know, hand in hand, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It was like, it was, it was some big stuff going on. I'm, I'm it was impactful. Yeah. Um, again, I, I see a lot of these parallels cause I'm, I was talking about on your show doing a documentary about a guy who is an athlete and who mm -hmm. is a filmmaker mm -hmm. and has that push and pull of art and sport. Um, but there's a lot of overlap too. And I think people don't get that cause they're both creative. You got to figure out what Bro. you're doing and, and, and practice. <laughs> That's the thing. You For have real. to have discipline. If you want to be a good filmmaker, it's like going to the gym and putting in the work. Get I mean, your reps in. Yep. And, and it's simple. It's math. It's it's not going to just click. And, you know, we talked earlier about, like, expecting that first one to be a hit and, you know, all mm -hmm. this. It's like, you ain't done the work, man. Right. You know? And you said something, too, earlier about... Uh, not being too big to go back and do a short when you've done a feature or go back and hold boom for somebody major that made me think about like there's this concept in fitness and i say it uh uh to my clients all the time is like you're never too good to go back and master the basics and any master of anything is going to tell you it's all about mastering the basics mm -hmm. everything is and so I'm doing a lot more writing this year, buddy. Nothing hmm. is more uh, uh, from that, you know, concept than writing. And if yeah. you stop, it, it, that muscle just atrophies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it translates. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen a couple of the pieces you've done, some human interest stories, mm -hmm. and uh, some really cool stuff. I'd recommend y'all check out. Um, but I mean, it, it is exactly that. I've done a few of those, more script writing. But I found that if I'm not writing something monthly, weekly, daily. Like if, if I take months off and I come mm. back, it's like, what Brutal. happened, you mm -hmm. know? And you, and you have to live that, um, a couple of times to know mm -hmm. that you don't want to live that full time, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. and you have to learn like um, the little challenge of doing it regularly yeah. is worse than the challenge of trying to get yes. back on the horse. Yes. You know, it's yes. all about like keeping that streak alive just a little bit. Yes. So a lot of people talk about like, if let's stay with the writing thing, um, set the goals smaller, like the daily goals, just so, cause it's more about that long-term game. Yeah. So a paragraph, just, yeah, yeah. A paragraph or a page a day that is like something that you know you can accomplish. And oftentimes you're going to go way above that. Yeah. You just got to get going. You know what I'm saying? You got to start, you know, right. um, there's this line that I love, um, that I use all the time. That is, um, motive motivation is not, uh, always the cause of action. Mm but it can also be the effect of action. For sure. What that means is sometimes you have to act first and then the spark will hit you. You have to sit down and just start writing. It doesn't matter because mm -hmm. so many of us will sit down like, oh, I'm not inspired or I have writer's block or I don't know what to write. And it's like sometimes you just got to take action and then the motivation comes on day four. Yeah. Well, and even in a writing session, I mean, the first 30 minutes, that's stretching. I mean, like, you know. That's stretching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. For sure. I mean, because think about it. Like, when, if you're going to go run 
some crazy distance, you don't just fire off like the flash. I mean, you gotta, you gotta warm yourself up yeah. and, and people expect they're going to be writing, you know, Plato's Republic mm-hmm. within the first two minutes of sitting down at Starbucks. It's I mean, it's not going to happen. Stretching. I mean, you know, it takes time. Um, so translating that a little bit, uh, talk to me a little bit about like why, why filmmaking speaks to you specifically, especially because, you know, you've got the sports background. Um, why, why do you do the juggle? Um, it's one of those things that I've always been attracted to. Um, this, this, we talked about this last night. My mom's in town and my brother, mm. and we're very close. And there's a show that when I was growing up on HBO called uh, Dream On. Mm. And if you, if you guys haven't seen it, I'd, I'd definitely go back and check it out. It was during when Dream On it was in the 90s, so when, when uh, HBO was really starting to like take hold just before The Sopranos and all that. But, um, and it was about a guy in the f- opening sequence. He's like, they show him as a kid sitting down in front of the TV, like his whole life as he grows up. And so when he's dealing with his adult situations, like let's say, mm. you know, he's breaking up with a girlfriend, he, it'll cut to a flashback in his head and he relates it to a scene that he watched mm. on television. So he lives his whole life basically like seeing through TV scenes that he watched growing up or whatever. So my brother always joked when I was a kid, he's like, you're the kid from dream on. Cause I just like, yeah. I just sat in front of the TV yeah. all the time and just fell in love with movies. My mom and my brother were going to movie tonight. Like it's my mom put that into us. Like we were the first movie that I ever saw. And this, you bear with me on this. Uh, I'm, I'm proud of the movie, but I was two weeks old, which is true. Of course I just slept through it, but mm. I think it's pretty dope that I was in a movie theater two years old, two weeks old mm. was E.T. Nice. Uh, classic, right? It came out in 82. I came out in 82. Big hits that year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then coincidentally, it was the first one I actually remember seeing. I saw it again when I was five sure. and cried my eyes out. I've always been an emotional wreck um, when he's like the plane, his ship is leaving in the beginning yeah. and his heart's like, oh my God, I'll cry right now. So I've always been attracted to, the, to, to movies. Mm. But then I've just, I've always been an athlete too. And so... Um, when I started off school, I started off for something completely different, um, like financial planning type of thing. I was in trust management at, at Campbell University, hated it, left, ended up going to NC State. And I just said, you know what? I'm not going the indirect route. My initial plan was get a good job, build up some capital and some save some money and then pursue a creative career later in life. When I transferred to state, I was like, bump all that. I'm mm-hmm. going straight for it. And I just majored in media production, took a couple filmmaking classes, but I started working on indie films for free sure. at that moment. And and I started training under documentary filmmakers just coincidentally earlier, like very, very beginning of my career and kind of just learned how to do it. I've always been a writer, uh, even when I was like first grade. And so I've always loved storytelling and I've always loved the visual medium of film and television. And it's just one of those things I could, couldn't escape. You know, but I have a lot of interest. So I like I could see me having other careers for sure. And I've definitely taken the hard route because I've never had like a a job, like a yeah. proper job. I mean, I've had long term. You know, like uh, a have few you worked months. in the service industry? Oh yeah, I everyone mean, had, should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once I've had yeah. jobs, and in New York, I worked in the entertainment industry, but just for like yeah. a few months. You know, sure. I've never like really worked worked somewhere. But yeah, certainly growing up, I, I mean, I always had jobs. But yeah. I just mean like. I didn't go work for like a lot of my friends go work for some big firm yeah. and then go off, which yeah. might've been better. I don't know. I love my life. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy with it, but I totally like, I started my first production company six months after graduating, you know, we were shooting wedding videos yep, and, and then started doing documentaries and music videos soon after that. Um, 
So I want to, I'm curious too about why, why in 2018 do you feel filmmaking is, is the future? Cause I think, you know, we're inundated with content. Mm-hmm. A lot of people might say, you know, people don't watch movies. They want to watch a, you know, Instagram post. Why, why, you know, I challenge myself to this yeah, too, because well, obviously we're, we're insulated mm-hmm. in our bubbles where we, we love films and we know that film can change lives. But maybe culturally, do you think that's ever sl- going to slip, or do you think? Here's the thing: yeah. the the definition is changing, mm. as it always has. We have to adapt and adjust, and any creative person should be able to do that. But the definition of what a film is, which is ridiculous that we still call it that anyway, because <laughs> it's not shot on right. film. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, but all the terms we use, we could break that down. Like the, every t- footage, all of that. That is yeah. a film, you know, blah blah blah. But you know what a film is and isn't has shifted and changed and morphed and we have to be able to adapt with that. So what I would say, and of course I would say this because it's like part of my brand, Mm. but like is stories aren't going anywhere. And now especially visual stories aren't going. So let's not call them films for the sake of this. I'm not going to like try to push this, but let's just say visual stories of course, because that is an Instagram post. That is a 90 minute, you know, feature film or a three hour feature film or a seven season, you know, 12 episodes a season series, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's still visual stories that is more prominent than ever. We have to adapt and adjust like what stories we're trying to tell and then think about what's the best medium to, to, to do that with. So it might be, I don't think the 90 minute film is going anywhere. It doesn't seem to be, it might not be as theatrically released as it once was, but I still watch movies on Netflix and I think a lot of the rest of the world does too. They're not all just watching the office when they're talking about Netflix and chill. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, people still want to see those movies, but they also want to see six and seven minute documentaries that we're making. Mm -hmm. And you can do both. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you, you know, Facebook video, sometimes I'll be scrolling and someone will have shared, uh, uh, you know, the videos, the autoplay, um, a five minute doc and I would never have found it. But since it started autoplaying, I'm like, Oh, what's this? And I'll, and before I know it, I'll have watched the whole thing. The, the thing, the model is shifting. And mm-hmm. as we've already said, uh, maybe it's on my podcast, but just, it's about sure. finding your tribe and finding where you can have the most impact. And that doesn't mean yeah. everything has to be like a nonprofit film. Like I, I work on our documentary with this big cause, of course. but like we talked about the Duplass brothers, like yeah. that's a perfect example of a filmmaker who does a, a wide variety of Type, types of uh, films and content, but finding their tribe. Yeah. They're not, they know their audience. Right. They That's, know their audience. Mm-hmm. They're not the Cohen brothers. You know what right. I mean? They're, they're the Duplass brothers, <laughs> right. and, and no one else is like that, and no one else can do that. No yeah. matter how much, how inspired you and mm-hmm. I are by their work, we will never be that. So, right. who is Evan and who is Rain mm-hmm. and who is, and who are our tribes? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it takes a long time to find that. Listen, I'm not saying this. As if it was like, yeah, dude, just go, go do that and you'll be mm-hmm. fine. Like it's a, such a long process to do that. I talk about it all the time you got to figure out what your self story is, what's your own narrative. And that takes a lot of opening up and looking inside and figuring out who the hell you are, which mm-hmm. is sometimes not easy to do. Not fun. And sometimes mm-hmm. not fun and very messy, but you got to figure out who, who you want to be. And then I think that dict- can dict- will dictate what stories you want to tell mm-hmm. and who you want to tell them to. Mm-hmm. Like, who do you want to impact? Who do you want to reach? Mm-hmm. It's a lot more about that now than it is like, I just want to make a film and be famous. Like, what? It's not, it's not that day and age anymore. Yeah, I mean, and, and the vanity of it, I mean, that's only going to sustain you 
for so long. I mean, you have to do those things where you open yourself, like you said, do some emotional soul searching, some emotional maturity, some growth. Um, so you can figure out what it is that you have to say mm -hmm. that the world ain't got enough of and mm -hmm. you need to do. I mean, because people, no one needs Aquaman 5. We need, <laughs> you know... They got to make the next three first before they right. get there. But, uh, you know, we don't need that. Like, people, we've got those bases covered. Um, people need stuff that's not out there. And I think mm -hmm. that's the role of indie filmmakers is trying to say, you know, what niche has not been tapped? Where can I find my tribe? Because they're out there. They just, you, they haven't all conglomerated onto you yet. Mm -hmm. So you've got to assemble the band. Yeah. yeah. What what stories are yeah. are like made for you to tell why are right. you like what are the stories that need to be told that your voice needs to be a part mm -hmm. of you know because mm -hmm. it exists for everybody there's never going to be uh, uh there's an infinite amount of stories you know yeah. what i mean because there's an infinite amount of of experiences right and mm -hmm. so people are tired of hearing the same and seeing the same movies and hearing the same stories and they're yearning for new voices yeah and it's on you to to here's the thing like i still want to tell uh great films of all different, you know, types and varieties. But in my business, uh, I kind of, you know, fought to keep those worlds separate for a while. And then I realized like, okay, I made this movie about this fitness movement raise up. And what I do for some of my nonprofit clients, I do a lot of things, uh, for like cancer patients and like, uh, you know, they're not medical videos, but they're like still disease and health related. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, bro, I've kind of got this weird like intersection of being this health and wellness filmmaker. Yeah. And I'm like, well, Rain, would you like that title? Like at first, I don't want to be labeled, right? So my first knee-jerk reaction is like, no, 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 I'm just a filmmaker. But mm -hmm. it's like, wait a minute, what's important to you? What mm -hmm. are your values? Is don't so tell bad? me that health and wellness is not because if fitness is important to me, I'm still teaching a class when I don't need to. And it causes, I mean, no offense, I love Sync Studio, but like sure. it causes me scheduling issues because I still love helping people that mm -hmm. much that I go do it two days a week uh, up the road in Durham. Mm -hmm. And all these projects that I'm working on, uh, come from like growing up in a place where I, I have alcoholism and addiction to my family. I have heart disease and diabetes and, and, in little Washington and Eastern North Carolina, po uh, poverty and poor health is a major issue. And it's yep. like, would you like to be considered a health and wellness fil filmmaker? Are these things important to you? These values? Um, hell yeah. It's everything to me. So why am I resisting yeah. it? Lean Learn into that pride, and man. be the guy. Yeah. And the more I've been leaning into that, yeah everything's just been coming. So one of the biggest things I'm trying to really get out there with this podcast on convincing creatives is really just talking to a wide array of creative people. Mm -hmm. And what I found is through everyone I've talked to on the show so far and whoever I will speak to in the future, everyone has a different process about what works for them with work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And this is a major thing I'm trying to talk to because a I'm lot ready. of our a lot of our audience are creatives. Um, I know you just welcomed a new child into the yeah. world, so congrats on that. That's Shout major. Shout out to BB. Yes. Um, talk to me about what strategies you've had to like, you know, balance your life. I know a lot of times us creatives, we, we hustle hard and sometimes we, we get lost in the sauce, as I like to say. Mm, so, I love that you know, um, what works? Right. This is tough because yeah. I don't love that concept of work-life balance mm. uh, because... I mean, it is a thing. Sure. I get it. But I... Well, you're never going to go 50-50. Right. And what I don't like about it is it segments things so much. And that's because mm -hmm. most people do. But I don't think that we should. Right. Um, I mean, this is so cheesy and like... And, no, and speak cliche, your truth, but it's like, yeah. But it's like 
God, I don't. You want to do. You want to do something that you love to do, and doesn't seem like you need to separate yourself from it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's a part of everything that I that I do. It's your identity. Like, yeah, like this is my heart. So it's like there is no. I I again so cheesy, but like and cliche, but like I love to do what I do. Now it's stressful as hell a lot of the times, but that's I do that because I love I love what I do. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot of jobs that aren't as stressful, and certainly financially wouldn't be such peaks and valleys and roller sure. coaster of a, of a lifestyle, but, uh, but I couldn't do that. So there's a couple of things I'll say to this point. Um, I have financial goals, personal goals, health goals, uh, so many goals. So it's like, but they all have my heart involved. I just had a conversation with her this morning because I had this random goal that I put on, like, I want to climb a mountain this year. Never done that shit before in my life. And you I was need on, to do it. I did it this summer. Right. So it, I yeah. got on a wait list because I waited too long for Mount Rainier in Seattle because I visited there on a yeah. shoot this year. And I was like, I'm going to climb that mountain. Yeah. Don't even know where that came from. Um, and they just called me last night and said, uh, the wait list opened up. You have a spot available. So I talked to her this morning. I was like, listen, we need to sit down and have a conversation because I want to do this. Yeah. And it's going to take more than me just you roll into Seattle and being like, hey, gonna ready to go. Like, yeah. I got to practice here at, like, Mount Mitchell and, like, yeah. really do some stuff. And so I was like, we're going to have a conversation Absolutely. about it. But, like, I let her know I'm going to do this. This is important, you know. Yeah. And she's going to have to trust me that I'm not going to come and say that for every little networking opportunity that might come up at WeWork, right. you know, on a Thursday night, right? Um, now, the next thing that leads me to work-life balance. So it's, it's all about relationships and the people and what matters, if, if it matters, mm-hmm. you can make the time and you need to be around people who will help you do that. And then you need to reciprocate that when it's time for her to go do something and go with her friends to Chicago because that's what her heart is telling her. I'm like, go, I got this. Yeah. Time management and preparation is everything. Um, so that being said, I don't want to go home and eat into my time with my daughter because I'm still pulled away by the phone. This is something I struggle with and we all struggle with because I like to work. Mm. So, you know, it's tough for me not to, not to sometimes like when there's something going on, there's a line that I, I wrote on my 2019 goals in my personal column, my personal work and health. Yeah. Uh, my personal is like when there's an opportunity to connect closer, take it. Yep. Uh, I forget which book I was reading. It was talking about relationships, but it, like intimate relationships, but it could be anybody like if I have the opportunity, let's say you and I were sitting here and it was a bus stop and I, or something maybe even closer, we're just having coffee out there in the in the lobby, and I have the chance to be on my phone or sit here and say, you know, Evan, how's the film going? Like, I've, I'm making it a mantra to put the phone down and connect yeah. with that opportunity. A lot of people don't do that, man. A lot of people... Uh you know, I think there's value in a, you know, small conversation sometimes. I yeah. think a lot of times people think this has to do it's, something it's major. It's not even about the conversation. Yeah. It's about the connection, it you is. know? And so, mm-hmm. um, so I have to remind myself about that. And similarly back to time, I have to remind myself, you know, well, look, I'm here and I want to be fully here, which is hard. I'm not a great listener. I play on my phone too much. So I'm really trying to, to work on that and know that when I'm home, I'm home. And it really comes down to discipline. Mm. Uh, there's, uh, you know, a lot of people might know Jocko, uh, the Navy oh, yeah. SEAL. Yeah, right. So I love Jocko's stuff. And he, he, this line, discipline equals freedom. A lot of creatives 
tend to think that discipline is the opposite of creativity. It's that's completely wrong. It is your Chaos, friend, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a push and a pull, and it's going to be what you put in. But I think the biggest thing is making sure that whatever uh, you know Lego castle that you're building for yourself, mm-hmm. every piece you put in has some value to you or someone else. And also, the thing that's that people, you know, people get it, but I think people don't get it <laughs> is, you know. Self-care makes you a better person to other people. So yes. what, I, what I mean by that is if running for 30 minutes in the morning makes mm, you happier, that. makes you better to be around with your coworkers, your wife, your kids, uh, gives you more energy to make your films, if, if lifting weights helps you not get a back problem with your camera, mm. Um, mm. it's an investment in yourself. I mean, and, and people, and you make that time, and yes, you may, you may sleep 30 minutes less, but if it makes you happier in the long term, it's worth doing. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, it's about assembling a version of yourself that you, it's, it's nutritious to mm-hmm. yourself. You, you give yourself the nutrients that you need to then have more to give others. Uh, the last thing I'll say about the work-life balance is, and I'm borrowing this, but I love the concept. It's like, if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't, doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Schedule it. Be disciplined, and I know, you know, but even when you're free time, like literally, like this is when I'm hanging, like you put it on the calendar. So something that Maya and I have done recently, or I'm trying to do, especially in the new year, is like, you know, uh, cook, you know, cook once a week, a date night once a month, you know, mm-hmm. a trip without, without BB once a quarter, an international trip once a year, you know, if possible. But like mm. we, I wrote an article on this. I have a weekly column uh, for on chapelboro.com and I w- wrote about this. Like mm-hmm. you have to schedule that weekend away. Mm-hmm. That is important. It's just as important as climbing a mountain or making your film or, you know, going and seeing the doctor. Like that's just as important. But if you don't, especially when you work in a creative field like us, where you can always be on. Yeah. See, Maya works a nine to five, like on Friday, on Saturday and Sunday, she's off, you know, yeah. but I, I don't. And a lot of times I have shoots or I'm traveling like I was last weekend and I'm in Nebraska on Saturday. If you don't schedule that trip to the Virginia mountains, it's not going to happen most likely. So you have to be just as diligent with that balance for your personal yeah. life it's not just one thing. It's not just work or this. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a lot of different things, but if it's not on the calendar, it doesn't exist. You got to do that pre-production on your life. I mean, <laughs> exactly. personal or exactly. otherwise. You, you need to approach it the same way you do a film. A little bit consistently. Yeah. Not a lot for a few days. You know, and that yep. applies to anything. That's, that's how you're going to progress forward. Well, Rain, so the final question I ask on the podcast, it's the same for everyone, okay. is uh, what is something that you're currently struggling with creatively um, in your work or whatever, and <laughs> what are you doing to actively fix it or combat it, or what are you not doing and maybe wish you could be doing? Okay, uh, well, it's, it's... Talk about opening yourself up and just... Yeah, well, it's it's... It's really what we we are just talking about, mm. and that's why I talk about it so much is because I'm actively like living it. So any sure. of the stuff that I teach people or try to to teach my clients uh, is all stuff that I've been through pretty recently. So it's struggling to find the time, and everyone will will understand this to take to do those important steps mm. and get rid of the urgent. I mean, some there are some that are urgent and important, right? Right. But like. I'm trying to take those bigger steps, maybe write a book, write the screenplay, make the film. Yeah. And I'm trying to be really diligent and ma- literally, you know, you just said this on my work column for my work goals of 2019. The very first one says create better systems. Stop trying to be 
to be great immediately. If you get 1% better every day, at the end of the year, that's 38 times, that's 3,800% better than you were. That's way closer, but 1% better is easy. If you want to like save money, save 1%, you know what I mean? If you want to like get stronger or write more, just, mm-hmm. just a little bit, a fraction a day, you know? So back to what we were saying. So I'm really trying to find how can I find that accountability that I have when someone else is expecting right. my work and put For it onto myself. So now what I've been learning a lot, I read a lot of books on, you know, this sort of stuff, uh, a lot of business books and things like that is the best way to, to create that habit is to find the thing to couple that with, Absolutely. or what's, what's the reward that you get from that? What am I going to do that I love that I can only do after I write that six second stories blog, which is my business. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, what am I going to do? What's going to, you know, is it, I won't have breakfast until I eat that. Is it, you know, I'm going to go work out now. Is it, I'm going to like give myself a cookie. Like, what is it, you know, but you have to have that, that reward that you want, uh, and tag, tack that on to, to that need to, you know, produce Mm. that piece of work. So that's something I'm struggling with. I'm trying to get better at. You got to dog treat that situation. Yeah. I mean, you do. I mean, it's simple. If you write it, you get a treat. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it works. And be just as diligent about that as as we've been talking about with creating systems and putting it on the calendar. Like you have to be strict with yourself and that discipline will then create the freedom that you need. And the treat can be the reward of doing the work and and looking at the article and saying, I did that. Mm -hmm. Bam. Um, Everyone's going to get fulfillment differently. There's a question. I forget where I heard this from. It's like, you got to weigh the cost of inaction. Yeah. How much is it going to cost you? What's it going to be worth to you? What's the value of it at the end of the year when I'm now assessing Mm. how 2018 went, which was great, but I still like Mm -hmm. didn't get that one thing done. Does that eat at you too much? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or or, or sitting up awake at night one night when you can't sleep and it's 2.30 and you're just like, yeah, I haven't made that or, you know, I mean, cause we all have those conversations exactly. in our head, but yep. I mean, if you're making more than you're not making, I bet you'll have that conversation less. So mm-hmm. it's all about it, man. Um, well, Rain, this was dope, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Um, I really enjoyed doing your podcast. Uh, let people know where can they find your show and your works and yeah, keep up absolutely. with you. Um, so my show is called the storytelling lab and we talk with various people, uh, to help break down the art and science of storytelling so that business creatives can, use that in their strategies, right? We want to sharpen that tool for storytelling. My company is called Six Second Stories, and we are focusing right now on helping nonprofits and purpose-driven companies use these storytelling techniques in short-form video ads Mm -hmm. in their marketing strategy. So Six Second Stories, we're making basically six-second documentaries Mm -hmm. for for companies and organizations, which is not easy, but the the sharper that tool of storytelling is, the better, the better, uh, or the easier it can be. Um, and then I got a few films, a uh, few films that we're working on and, and a lot of my materials on rainbennett.com weekly column at chapelboro.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Busy guy. all that <laughs> busy guy. Hey, we'll link it. Uh, y'all go check it out. Definitely support rain and what he's doing. Click the link. If you, if you don't rain, we'll hunt you down. Right. Donate. Um, <laughs> Donate. Yes. Uh, dude, this was dope. Uh, Thanks, so brother. guys, I appreciate you listening as well. Uh, if you like the show, hit us with a rating on iTunes, helps us get found. We're on YouTube. Yeah. Five stars. Don't, don't mess with that four stuff. Uh, YouTube. Also, you can check us out always on video. Uh, just share it with your friend. Tell someone. Yeah. And if you have any questions, send us a message. Yeah. We'll easy. answer them. Yeah. Yeah. We are, we're pretty, uh, I will. I don't know about it. No, I'm going to delete your question. Yeah. Uh, We're pretty affable, so you can send us stuff. I'm the people's filmmaker. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Ryan. You got it, brother. (laughs)